will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not know what you do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Thank you, J.D., Well, once again, Happy New Year. It's good to see you all. Uh, The New Year is, I think, uh, well, New Year's Day, this sort of season, is sort of a time when we take stock of our lives, right? We sort of take time to step back and just evaluate our lot. We look at 2016, right? We, we look back and we think about 2016. We look at, at what went well in 2016, what did not go well in 2016. And we just sort of take stock and evaluate our lives. And we, we, then we, we think to make some adjustments, right? We look to make some adjustments in, in 2017, well, each year, right? This is just kind of what we do this time of year. And so we, we look at things like your job, maybe, vocationally. Take a step back from the day in, day out grind, and, and you say things like, "Is this is this where I'm supposed to be?" Uh, some some human resource magazine says that that January is the most popular month to look for another job, or at least to think about looking for a looking for another job. That we just start, you know, evaluating our, our lives, looking at our our lives vocationally, um, looking looking at our uh, looking at our financial situation. Right, this is that time of year when you. You call up your financial advisor and you look to kind of sit down and maybe reassess how things are going. This is a time when you, you sign up for Financial Peace University, which we're going to be launching here in just a, a week here or so. It's in the bulletin. This is a great time. I don't know for sure if this is their most popular month, but I, I wouldn't be surprised, right? I mean, because this is that time of year when you, you actually look at your checkbook you actually look at what's going on and, and you realize mm, maybe some changes need to be made. We sort of evaluate. We take stock of what's going on uh, in our lives. We, we look at our, 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 our physical health, right? We take stock of that. We evaluate it. You know, the reality is I think that basically from, from Halloween until New Year's is like a couple of months of just gluttonous festivities, right, where we just... <laughs> We just eat. It's one. I mean, it's wonderful, right? It's wonderful. But then you come into January, and hmm, maybe I need to evaluate some of my eating habits. Maybe make some changes here. So you, you know, and maybe you you schedule a, a, an appointment with your doctor, right? This is the time. Oh goodness, I, I should. I really need to get to the doctor and and sort of see how that's going. And so you go to the doctor, and 
and they, you know, they, they do their own sort of evaluation. They do diagnostic tests, right? They ask you, you know, questions to try to figure out how, you're, how are you feeling? Are you sleeping all right? Does it hurt anywhere? Those types of things. They, they run blood tests to, to look for different things, diagnostic tests to just sort of see how healthy you are. And so in, in the spirit of New Year's, I want to do the same thing this morning. Uh, and we've actually done this before. This, 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 I've preached a message very similar to this before. In the past. It was a number of years ago. Uh, but I don't apologize because I think this is something we've got to come back to. I mean, just like you go to, you go to the doctor regularly, right? And so, so similarly, what we're going to do is we're going to look at our spiritual health today. And you can kind of, I know you didn't know you were going to the doctor. I tricked you. And this is a doctor's visit. You, you come here, I, I kind of figure as your pastor, I'm sort of like the doctor of your spiritual health. And so we need to do a checkup. We got to do this regularly. We're going to check our, our, our spiritual health. So we're taking, a, we're taking a break from our series, by the way, the series that we've been going through. We're taking a break this week and also next week. Next week, Randy, Randy Ringner is going to be, he's around here somewhere. Randy's going to be preaching next week. So this week and next week, we're taking a break from the series and then we'll, we'll get back into it. Uh, three weeks from now, but this this week I wanted to to take this break to do a diagnostic test of our spiritual health. So I'm going to just ask you some questions, sort of like you do at the doctor. Okay, <clears throat> you guys ready for this? Okay, you don't have you don't have to answer out loud. Just okay, it's fine. Uh, okay, how are your relationships? H- how are your relationships? How is your marriage? How are relationships with your friends, your coworkers? How are your how are those relationships? Are they healthy, or or even just no? Let me put it this way: on your end of the relationship, how how are you doing? Because you can't control other people, right? You can't control them. But how are you doing in terms of your your relationships? Let me just ask you this question. Would your, would your spouse and would your coworkers and your friends and family, would they characterize you as a loving person? Would they say, oh, yes, he, she oh, is a loving person. I mean, would, would they say, well, they would, yeah, the, this person, you are an individual that is looking out for, for, for other people's needs, uh, looking to put their needs uh, ahead of yours. How would you, what would people say, how would you characterize that? Are you, are you a loving person? Uh, a second, here's a second question. Um, are you a person who is joyful? Are you, are you a joyful person? I don't mean like, you know, like a bubbly personality. I don't, I don't mean that necessarily, right? I, I, I don't mean that, but, but like, do you have a, a sort of a joy in you? I mean, a, I know some really joyous, stoic people, right? So this isn't about being bubbly. I just, I just mean, do you have like a joy and a contentment that sustains you through whatever circumstances you are that you're facing? I mean, not perfectly here, right? I'm just, I'm just saying whatever the circumstances are, do you have a joy, a contentment that, that serves as an anchor for you as you move through whatever circumstances you're facing? Uh, are, are you, you know, the glass is half full or half empty, maybe, is another way of putting it. Do you, do you see the good things in life? Do you, do you have a joyful perspective? Uh, how about this one? Uh, do, you, 
do you have trouble breathing? And, and I don't mean because you're out of shape. I don't mean because you have allergies or a cold or something like that, but do you have trouble breathing because you have so much anxiety that it's like a hundred-pound gorilla just sort of is sitting on your chest? Maybe not all the time, but maybe you've noticed that increasingly this is, it's happening more and more. That it's almost like you have difficulty breathing because the, just this weight of anxiety weighs on you. In other words, are you, are you a person, the flip side of that, are you a person who has peace, who's filled with peace, has a peace that transcends all understanding? You, you have a peace in you that, that, again, people don't understand. Like they look at your circumstances and they say, I have no idea why or how that person could have a measure of peace considering what they're going through. Now, how are, we, how, are we doing so, how are we doing so far? Uh, how are we doing? What, what, about, uh, what, about, what about this one? Patience. How about patience? Are, are, we, are, we patient? are we patient people? Are you patient with your spouse? Are you patient with your kids? Are you patient with your employees? Are you impatient with your boss? Are you impatient with your, your coworker? I mean, do you have patience or are you impatient? Do you get annoyed easily? That, that's one of, I think, the, the key marks of impatience is you're just, you're just annoyed with people. How, why do they keep, why can't they get that right? Why do they keep doing that? Just sort of a <clears throat> annoyed. How about self-control? How's that one going? Do you, do you, do you have a, 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 an increasing measure of self-control or, or does it actually seem to be slipping away that, that there are things that you keep doing in your life that you know you shouldn't do because they're hurting you, they're unhealthy, but you just keep doing it? Or, or are you able to sort of restrain, refrain from things in your life that are, are hurting you, you know are hurting you? Right? How, how, are we, uh, how are we doing? Now, listen, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to make you feel. This isn't about feeling bad. I'm not saying who are the good people and the bad people. Right? That's not what I'm talking I'm, I'm talking about healthy, just healthy. How are, you, how are you doing? Right? In other words, are you filled with the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Because here, here's the thing. Here's what I want you all to get, okay? As we move into 2017, you know, we talk about New Year's resolutions, and we're going to talk about that here in a minute. But the first thing I want to kind of put before you is a New Year's realization. A New Year's realization. And here's the New Year's realization. Are you ready for this? God desires for you to experience the abundant life. God longs and desires for you to experience the abundant life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. He longs for you to enjoy the abundant life. Now, of course, one of the things you might be noticing here uh, as you look at the fruit of the Spirit as described in this passage, and this is important to note, that the, uh, the abundant life is closely connected to the obedient life. They're closely connected. You notice this, like if you go through the fruit of the Spirit here, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Think about this. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And, and you're like, oh, yes, yes, all you need is love. I just want love in my life. All you need is love and joy. Joy, yes, God, please, please, I want more joy in my life and peace. Oh, oh, if I could have peace, yes, love. Joy, peace, and, and patience, yeah. 
yeah, I would, I, I'd love to be, uh, I'd love to be uh, more patient and kindness. It, yeah, yeah, I mean, I want to, I, mean, I want to be more kind. Uh, good, goodness, uh, yeah, I, mean, I guess, I'm, wait a, wait a minute, I, I thought this was a, describing the abundant life. It's beginning to sound a whole lot more like the obedient life. Whoa, what's going on here? Kind of got roped into something here. What's going on here? The the, uh, obedient life and the abundant life, they go hand in hand. Next week, Randy's going to be talking about, uh, at least I think he's going to be talking about this. We'll see. Maybe he'll change his mind, but that's fine. Uh, uh, I think next week we were talking about, he's going to talk about in our culture, um, we, uh, one of the things that's happening in our culture is that we are beginning to lose sight of the concept of sin. People don't, it's like we don't even, it's like sin is, is no longer a category of thought. Um, in fact, the only sinful thing to do is to say that there's a such thing as sin. That, that's a sinful thing to do is talk about sin. So we're sort of losing, we're losing our sight on this whole concept of sin. And one of the things I want to do to just kind of help us, help us bring us back to an important notion of sin, because actually, if you don't get sin, then the rest of the Bible doesn't make any sense. The gospel doesn't make sense. Jesus doesn't make any sense. So we've, we've got to find a way to bring sin back in. One of the things that I think might help us is that we need to realize, you see, is that the, the sinful life is, is not something different than the unhealthy life. You see, this, they're, they're one and the same. In other words, God's commands for us. He doesn't give us arbitrary commands that are just like, hoops to jump through so that he'll like us. That, that's not what the, his commands are actually given to us to give life, that the obedient life leads to the, the joyful and abundant life. And you see, the sinful life, it naturally leads to death. It naturally leads to death. God doesn't really have to do a whole lot to the sinful person in, in terms of judgment. doesn't really have to do a whole lot. Really, just let him keep going. So hopefully we see this, that, that the obedient life is what leads to the abundant life, okay? All right, but, but th- th- that's what this is about. This is about God wanting us. This is what I want you to realize. God wants you to experience the abundant life. Listen to this. In, in John chapter 10, Jesus, uh, Jesus uses this analogy. He, he compares himself... As he says he's a shepherd and we're a sheep, right? This is sort of the analogy. And he's a shepherd that is, is there to care for his sheep, to look out for his sheep, to protect his sheep against wolves, to protect his sheep against thieves and robbers that might want to come and destroy the life of those sheep. Right? So that's sort of the context. And then we find this famous, famous verse. This is John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. And, and here is where I think King Jimmy got it right. King James got it right. I love the way King James says, I, I, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. You see, God longs for us. God longs for each and every one of us to experience the abundant life. And here's what we need to realize. Is that what I'm saying here is that the abundant life, okay, is not just for when you go to heaven and when you die. It's not just for that. Now, of course, that, that, that is it in its, you know, complete perfection. 
And so there, we long for that. We long for that. Okay, so, so yes, there's, there, there's a reality that we will never f- fully experience in this life. But, but what we need to realize is that when Jesus came, really the, the primary thing that he did is, is, and this is what's so interesting, he didn't really come to tell you how to get to heaven. That's not really what he did, actually. What he actually came to do is to announce that the kingdom of heaven had broken into this world, that with him, with his coming, the kingdom of God was breaking into this world. Uh, Dallas Willard, who passed away a couple of years ago, uh, wrote a book called The Divine Conspiracy, which is, I think one day will be a classic. Uh, it's, It's one of my top five books in terms of its influence on my life outside of the Bible. And one of the things that he, he talks about, really he's saying the divine conspiracy, the conspiracy is that we've lost sight of the present availability of the kingdom of God. And, and he talks about in, in, in well, it's, I guess especially in North American circles, North American conservative circles, there has been this sort of theological debate that's been raging, I don't know, 30, 40 years at least now, something like this. And what you have is on one side of the, of the divide, you have those who who talk about a, well, what Dallas Willard calls a sort of barcode faith. A, a barcode faith, which is sort of an easy believism, which is, which is basically as long as you pray a prayer, if you pray the right prayer uh, and you sort of believe the right things, uh, then it, no matter what your life looks like, when you die, you're going to go to heaven. Sort of barcode faith. Like if you can check up, yep, 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 then no matter what your life looks like, as long as you've prayed this prayer and you, uh, you believe these certain things, then, then you're, when you die, you're going to go to heaven no matter what your life looks like. And, and then in sort of in re- reaction to that, you have this other perspective, which is sometimes referred to as lordship salvation, which looks to sort of correct this other view by saying, wait a minute, Jesus didn't just say that we're to call him our Savior, but also call him our Lord that we're to surrender every aspect of our lives to him. And so those who really surrender, they're the ones that, that are saved and are going to go to heaven when you die. And what Dallas Willard, I, what he notices here is that, is that though they, they're, they're debating this, they're presupposing the same thing. They're presupposing that the reason Jesus came here was to tell you how to go to heaven when you die. And he's saying, that's not really what Jesus came to do. I mean, certainly, yeah, I mean, it it relates to it, but primarily what Jesus came to do is to announce that the kingdom of God was breaking in. Uh, This is why the kingdom of God is the most dominant theme that you find throughout the ministry of Jesus. When Jesus, in, in the gospel of Matthew, Jesus comes out of the desert, right? He's been in the desert for 40 days sort of, this is his preparation for ministry, and he comes out, and, and he announces that he is the fulfillment of this prophecy that came from the prophet Isaiah, and then this is what he says, I sort of sums it all up, and this sets the tone for the rest of his ministry. <clears throat> he says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. And then throughout his ministry, it's this, the kingdom of God is, is near. And, and when Jesus sends out his missionaries, he sends out his missionaries, he, he tells them to go out and tell people that the kingdom of God is near. Now, what's, what's interesting about it is that this word near, we need to be very careful about this word near, because the, the original word and the original language, it's not talking about a temporal near. It's not talking about it like, he's not saying it's almost here. It's not a temporal near. 
The word itself is actually, okay, here we go, a little, little nerdy here. It is a past tense verb. It is a perfect, a perfect, a perfect verb, which is a, a past tense verb, which is completed action with present continuing results. So it's completed action with present continuing results. Uh, uh, results and and that's what this word near means. So what it's really saying is that the the king and this is why good old King Jimmy. Here we go, King Jimmy. I love King Jimmy. Sometimes, most of the time, I don't. But this time, I love King Jimmy because Jimmy says he says he says the kingdom of God is at hand. Later on in Luke Luke seventeen, it, it's, the kingdom of God is 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 within your midst. It's present. It's available. And Jesus is announcing that that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, is available. Now, the question is, <clears throat> how do we tap into this? How do we tap into this? And, and here's where we need to understand a very important distinction here. How, how do we get this? How do we, how do we get this to be a part of our lives? And here's where we need to understand something very, very significant, <clears throat> okay? Um, well, actually, but before I say that, let me, because this will lead into it better. Let me put it this way. So Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is available now. And all of these debates that have been going on have been talking about how do you go to heaven when you die? And then, of course, what you become to realize is that if you've come to understand that the kingdom of God is available now, then there becomes a somewhat simple answer um, to, well, how do I, how do I know I'm going to go to heaven when I die? And this isn't the only way to answer it. There's a lot of ways to answer this question. But one of the ways in which you can answer the question, well, how do, I, how do I get to heaven? When I, how do I know I get to heaven when I die? And it's just simply this. Well, enter into it now. I mean, why, would, why would you wait? I mean, just enter into it now. I mean, if you're in it, I mean, it's, it's like this. And I've used this analogy before. Um, if you don't know when your cruise ship is leaving, like you don't know when it's leaving, Doc. Well, if you want to make sure you're on it, well, then just get on it now. Right? And, and the wonderful thing about a cruise ship is that you can enjoy virtually all of the amenities on that cruise ship long before it sets out to sea. And you see, in the same sense, we can begin to enjoy the amenities of the kingdom of God long before we enter into eternity. Here's where we need to see a, a, an important distinction here. And that is that there is a difference between being accepted into the kingdom of God and entering into it. There's a difference between being accepted into the kingdom of God and entering into the kingdom of God. Because here's what we need to see is that you are accepted into the kingdom of God on the basis of God's grace. There is nothing, you can't earn your way into the kingdom of God. This is at the very heart of the gospel. And, and this, is, this is, of course, the point that the sort of barcode faith is, is trying to make sure we protect this idea that, you, you know, you, you don't have to do anything to earn God's favor. But if all you're thinking about is going to heaven when you die, well, then that sort of sets up this whole, well, what happens in your life now doesn't matter. But if you hold on to what they're trying to say, and that is that there's nothing you could do to be accepted by God in terms of getting into the kingdom of God, but recognizing the kingdom of God is available now, well, then you're going to realize there's, a different, there's just a difference between being accepted into the kingdom of God and entering into it, that you are accepted on the basis of God's grace. But if you, if you want to experience it, 
there are things you've got to do. It's like this. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is more like a buffet dinner than a sit-down dinner. The kingdom of God is more like a buffet dinner than a sit-down dinner. Right? I mean, so if you go to a buffet dinner, uh, and, and here's the point. You go to a buffet dinner, maybe somebody pays for you to go to that buffet dinner. You're accepted in on the basis of grace. You didn't have to do anything to get into that buffet dinner, right? They just bought it for you, right? But here's the thing. So you're there. If you just sit there and you're like just waiting for where's the food, where's the meatloaf, right? I mean, it's not going to come, right? You've got to get up and you've got to go get it. You don't have to pay for it. It's already been given to you by grace. But if you want to experience it, you've got to go get it. Or or here's another another analogy. Uh, And this is appropriate, I think, for uh, sort of the opposite of the buffet dinner. And that is suppose you get a gym membership, (laughs) right? Uh, so this is you know New Year's, New, New Year's, New Year's, you know New Year's resolution. I, I'm going to work out. I got to you know I got to get in. And what if get this? What if somebody as a and this is a you know I mean this it's always questionable. Do you give this sort of gift to somebody, you know? But but if somebody gives you a lifetime membership to say Fitness 19, right? So you you can get in there. You don't have to pay. You're accepted on the basis of grace. Here's the thing. You can't just sit on your couch at home and go, I've got a membership to Fitness 19. I just can't wait to see my biceps grow. I can't wait to see my my waistline get smaller because I've been accepted into Fitness 19 on the basis of grace. I'm just going to sit on my couch. You've got to go. You You see, there's a a difference between being accepted, accepted into the kingdom of God and entering into it, experiencing it. So the, the, big, the, the big question, right, the million-dollar question is, okay, well, what is it I must do? What is it that I must do to experience the kingdom of God? That's the million-dollar question. And here's what we need to realize is that what, what we do is a kind of, a kind of training. It's, it's kind of a training. Um, in, in other words, the, the goal is with training, okay, any sort of training, whether it's the training of a musician or the training of an athlete, is that you do a training that enables you to do automatically that which you cannot do by direct effort alone. Training enables you to do automatically that which you cannot do by direct effort alone. So l- let, me, let me give you an example. It's football season, Right? And, uh, and by the way, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, J- Josh Lee, he was a big Washington fan. Obviously, he's not here. He was at the game last night, if you watch Washington Law. So when you see Josh, give him a big hug and tell him you love him when he comes back. That was his, that was his team. He went all the way out there, and then they, they lost. Anyway, right, this is football season. This is football season. We got playoffs coming up. So let's, let's talk football, if I may, just for a moment, if you'll humor me. Uh, football, I'm not going to talk about the Patriots, okay? No, please. Goodness. Look at the audience response. Unbelievable. No, okay, let's talk football here for a minute. Did you know that football players, they don't just play football all the time. They do other things. They train. They, there's certain training exercises that they do that enable them to do automatically what they can't do by direct effort alone. In fact, this is a great one. This will crack you up. Uh, increasingly, football teams are hiring ballet instructors to teach the linemen balance. 
to train them in balance. I mean, I'm just imagining that ballet instructor walking in to that training facility feeling vindicated, right? You know, in middle school, all the football players were picking on him for, for ballet, right? Now he's, now he's training. I mean, vindication for the ballet instructor. So he's going in there, and he's helping. He's working with these, these football helping them to learn balance, to help them to train such that when they're on the field, they don't have to think about it. It's automatic. They don't have time to think about their balance. They just, it has to just be a part of who they are. And so training enables you to do more automatically that which you cannot do by direct effort alone. So what, what, what is our training? What is it that we do that, that doesn't earn God's favor? This isn't about earning God's favor. You're accepted on the basis of His grace. Let's get, let's get that out of the way. But what is, what is the training that we do that then enables us to live the life of the kingdom of God? <clears throat> okay, are you guys, you guys ready for this? And I've, I've done this exact illustration before, and I think it's a good one, so I'm just going to use it again. <clears throat> You're like, what, what incredible insight does Pastor Kevin, what incredibly profound thing is he going to say now? I mean, you're just waiting for these pearls of wisdom. So, hmm, so profound. Okay, you guys ready for this? In fact, in fact here's what it is. It's, it's so simple, I'm not even going to say it. Okay, here's what it is. Ready? I'm, we're going to put it on the screen. Are you ready? This is what it is. What's our training? What is it that we, we do to experience the kingdom of God, the presence of God, the spirit of God? Spend time with God. What is it that we do that, that will enable us to begin to live this life? Pastor, I... When I got married, I loved my husband, and I would do anything for him. I mean, I would bend over backwards just to care for him and whatever it is. But, but I got to be honest with you, over the years, a bitterness has creeped up in my life. A bitterness has creeped up where I, I just, oh, I, it's, it's so hard for me to love him. And I want to love him, but I can't, it's like I can't. I can't do it. What, what, what can I do? What solution do you have for me? Spend time with God. Pastor, I, I, uh, sometimes I wake up in the morning and I don't even know what the purpose of living is anymore. No, nothing brings me any contentment. Nothing brings me any joy anymore. I mean, the, the things that I used to love, the things that I used to enjoy are just no longer joyful anymore. I just cannot find any joy in my life. Pastor, what can I do? Is there anything that I can do to, to maybe bring joy back into my life? Spend time with God. Pastor, I have so much anxiety. I, I worry about things I never used to worry about. I never used to be a worrier, but, 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 but anxiety is just, it's just it's, I can't get away from it. I mean, everywhere that I go, everything that I look at, everything is something that gives me anxiety. Pastor, what can I do? Spend time with God. 
Pastor, I, I, I'm losing my ability to have self-control. I, I'm finding myself doing things that I've, for years I've said, I'm not going to go there, I'm not going to do that. And, and, and I find myself giving in to things that I know are bad for me, I know are harmful for me. I'm beginning to, to do things and live in, in ways that are excessive, that are beginning to really hurt, hurt me and hurt my life. What do I do? How do I deal with this? Spend time with God. You see, you see the answer isn't to just try harder. The answer is just to you know, try, well, just try harder. If you're being a jerk, just stop being a jerk. Right? If you're, if you're not very joyful, well, then you just have a positive attitude. You gotta, just got to be positive, right? It, it's not about, I mean, sure, sure. I mean, you want to you try, too. I'm not saying don't put any effort out there. I mean, it's not like football players get trained and then they just stand on the field and Wait for the training to happen. I mean, you got to try too, right? But, but no, you can't do it just by direct effort. It's by spending time with God. So today's January 1st. We have all of 2017 ahead of us, and this is, this is the day when many of you will make New Year's resolutions. I want to make a little suggestion to you. I want to give you a New Year's resolution for 2017. And I think you know what it is. The New Year's resolution is I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to spend more time with God. 2017, I'm going to spend time with God. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you three simple ways to spend time with God. Here they are. You ready for this? The first one is, well, here's the three. Come to church. Join a community group. And spend time alone with God, personal devotions. Church, community group, personal devotions. First of all, commit to going to church. Now, I'm preaching to the choir right now, and I'm very proud of you. Maybe you can give this to somebody who wasn't here on Sunday, or, or, or maybe you're just here by a fluke, right? You don't even know how you ended up here and don't really ever plan on coming back. Well, maybe then this is for you. But, but commit, commit to coming to church. So look, even if you can, I don't know how many people keep records of this, but, but look back at 2016 and see, you know, how, how much do we go to church? How, how faithful were we to going to church? And, and see if you can bump the percentage up a little bit. Bump the percentage. Right? Remember, this is not about being a good person or a bad person. You're not earning God's favor. God doesn't love you any more or less whether you go to church or not. This isn't about that. You're already in. You're already accepted in the kingdom of God. It, it's, it's do you want to experience it? So I encourage you to, to make that commitment to come. That's what we, the whole, that's what we, look, I tell you this all the time. I do the same thing every week. Every week. I'm just trying to draw us into the presence of God, to reorient our minds and our hearts towards God. So I would encourage you to come to church. Secondly, to recommit if you're already in a community group. Recommit to being in a group. Take, take, take that seriously. Take that seriously. If you're not in one, we would love to get you in one. And so you can talk to me uh, after the service. You can email me. And this is that season where we reconfigure, where maybe we add people to certain groups or we start new groups or, or you know, whatever. So if, if, you, if you'd be willing, just come talk to, to me about this or email me about this and commit yourself to being in a community of other people who are trying to do the same thing. And then thirdly, spend time with God on your own and your own personal devotions. This is, this is a great time of year to, to start that. And, and I, don't, I don't want to tell you exactly what to do. I'll tell you this. 
that I think that consistency is more important than frequency or, or duration. Consistency is, is more important than frequency or duration. In other words, establish something for yourself that you'll be able to stick with, that you can keep with. Maybe over time you increase the frequency. Maybe over time you, 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 you make it go longer, right? I mean, it's just like anything else. When you go to work out and you go to do pull-ups and you're like, one. Or maybe not even one. You know, you're just like, if I can just get my, if I can get my hands to squeeze the bar, that'll count. I mean, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it consistently, you see. I'm going to do it consistently, and then maybe over time that's going to grow. Maybe over time that's going to change. So it's, it's, not, it, it, it's about consistency more than frequency or duration. So I'm not going to tell you exactly what to do. I can make some suggestions, some recommendations. This is a great time to start a Bible reading plan. This is a great time. If you're not familiar with the, the Uversion app, uh, you can go to, I think, uversion.com or just Google Uversion or something like that. And, and they're, they're, you, can, you can get these apps on your phone that will help you to do They've got all kinds of Bible reading plans. They've got, you can re- read through the Bible in a year, read through the Bible in two years, uh, read through the Bible in, you know, 30 minutes for the really intense people, right? No. But there's all these different plans and there are devotionals that go along with that. I mean, wh- whatever it is, just, but ma- make that commitment to spend time with God. Friends, I believe that, that God, God wants you to ha- come to this realization, okay? This realization, and that is that God wants you to experience the abundant life. Not, not perfectly, not completely. Yes, we still long. We long for eternity when, when God will wipe away every tear and make everything right. But what we need to realize is that Jesus came to announce that that kingdom, that age to come, has broken in uniquely in the person of Jesus. And if we want to experience the presence of God, just spend time with him. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear God, we praise you for your pursuit of us. That we don't have to, to climb to reach the kingdom of God. It has come for us. You have come for us. You have extended your grace upon our lives, Lord. No matter what we've done, no matter how far we've turned, you, you have come for us. And God, I, I just pray that 2017 <laughs> would be a year in which we, we really come to experience the fruit of the Spirit more and more. That it's up and down, Lord, and it'll never be perfect. But God, I, I pray that we might begin to experience love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and all of these in in increasing measure, Lord, as we just simply seek to be with you, seek to spend time with you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We now come to our time of communion, and communion is really an opportunity to enter into the presence of God. That, that by faith, as we partake of these elements, what, what is communion all about? It's reminding us of the grace of God. It is reminding us that no matter what we have done, uh, no matter what we have left undone, uh, the ways in which we have not uh, loved others, not cared for others, that, that, that God forgives us and just wants to welcome us into His presence, that He might begin to change us. So my prayer is we take communion that this day on January 1st, that this, this might be a real benchmark for many of us in our church.
that here, beginning with communion, as we, as we ask for the Lord to reveal himself to us, that we might encounter his presence and have that taste of God that would encourage us to pursue him throughout the rest of the year.